Hey, it's Wednesday. That means uh, we turn on the uh, internet TV and Mitchell Forty and I hang out on YouTube. Uh, that's what we're doing. Gabe DeArm and Mitchell Forty here on the 573 Report, uh, brought to you, oddly enough, by 573Tees.com. Check them out. Uh, give them uh, some business. Buy your stuff there. Just give us a like. Like it, We don't even ask you to pay us any money i mean don't get me wrong if you want to pass money you can pass money but we don't require it we just ask you to hit the like button and subscribe to our youtube channel and hang out on the internet with us for an hour or so every wednesday night uh mitch uh, busy week man lots going on we're just talking in in our extensive pre-show meeting i mean uh we're slammed this week with mizzou news yeah, we've been working really hard. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, the, the soccer coach stepped down. Um, yeah. Either of us wrote about it. And no. that's, that's been most of the that's been most of the developments. That's been the newsiest thing that that has happened. And look, that's fine. Um, we're good with that because you know what? Sometimes, uh, I mean, we still work incredibly hard every day. We don't want you to think that mm-hmm. we're not working incredibly hard. We're not doing things like golfing or fishing or any of that stuff. But. Uh, you know, I so, wrote a story today. Yeah, that's so did I. Hey, it's a big day for yeah. both of us. Um, yeah. But uh, it, look, in all seriousness, it is kind of the off season. It's uh, it's a slower off season than usual. Also, Mizzou had a uh, ha- has a dead week in recruiting. They are currently serving. I think it is their next to last week of no contact in football recruiting. Uh, they will. The last one will be two or three weeks from now. So. I mean, if they can't recruit, we can't really write about who they're recruiting this week. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, it, it, even even by slow off-season week standards, this is a slower one because there's not even uh, yeah any developments on that front. And maybe there will be in the basketball front, but we probably won't hear about them unless someone commits. So. Right. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to that eventually tonight, maybe. Uh, Jay Tate. Excited to see Mitchell. So uh, we're fired up about that. Usually Appreciate that's it, usually that's the Bob Douglas role on the show uh, to to uh, put a bunch. Oh, of he did he did enter the transfer portal. So <laughs> Bob Douglas did. I think I thought okay. he did. Said that on one okay. of our shows at one point. I, yeah. I thought maybe you meant Jay Tate did, and I was a little bit concerned. But no. uh, good deal. All right. So here's here's what this show is going to be. Well, and like we invite comments, questions, whatever this show is going to be what you guys want it to be for the next few weeks, because realistically, like I said, it's kind of slow. We'll just, uh, we'll talk about whatever, but there's no point sitting around just talking about Mizzou sports that aren't actually happening. Um, you know, because I mean, I don't know, Mitch, do you want to spend 10 minutes breaking down the soccer coach hot board real quick? Or are we good? I, I could not physically – I could not do that. I, I do not have 10 minutes worth of thoughts or really even one minute worth of thoughts, I know to be honest. Sporting Kansas City has a good coach. I can't remember his name, but maybe uh, maybe Mizzou will hire him. Uh, maybe whoever coaches Stan Kroenke's team, maybe Missouri will hire him. But uh, <laughs> anyway – would be upset. So what this show is really going to be is us just kind of coming up with – different kind of fun topics to to kick around until you guys come up with something better so uh it actually is soccer related and mitch i I think we're both huge soccer experts right you know obviously you know a lot of soccer i know almost nothing about soccer i know the names of a few teams i know that you're supposed to put the ball in the net more times than the other team (laughs) i know there's i know there's a manchester united and a manchester city i believe uh, so Manchester right. seems to be the hotbed of soccer, uh, mm-hmm. but it is soccer related in some ways. So for like 45 minutes, a couple days ago, there was a, uh, a soccer super league where they took like the 12 mm-hmm. best teams and they were all going to hang out and then everybody got mad and that went away. So, uh, it, it didn't, it only lasted long enough for people to start coming up with their own ideas of college football, super leagues. And, now, look, we're not above ripping off other people's ideas. We may get into our own college football super league. But what I mostly want to do is the first thing I saw about this was, I believe, from Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. He proposed 15 teams in a college football super league. And one of those 15, I know for a fact, was Nebraska. Now, what the hell are we doing here? Nebraska... I don't know if Nebraska is in the Big Ten Super League anymore, much less the college football Super League. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I would just start by saying saying that you know, this is peak football offseason content. This is not actually happening. Um, right. This is just, you know, the way it, to, it will to never build happen. the web, web pages and, and get people to, to comment and all that, um, which is great. That's fine. Um, and also, obviously, there is no objective criteria for a Super League. So I guess theoretically it could be whatever you want it to be. Like well, it could be no, just the, the best teams. It could be. The one criteria uh, is that Nebraska no longer belongs in it. That is the one criteria. Well, right. So that's where I'm getting, I'm working my way to that okay. point. So, you know, like I, I, you know, I'm not, it's hard to argue with something that's like, doesn't exist. What right. I'm saying, but yeah, like it's hard for me to understand how Nebraska really in any way would, uh, would, would belong. I mean, they haven't been nationally relevant since no. in, in about 20 years. I think it was 2001, right. That they last, you know, won or played for a national yeah. title. Um, they, have no proximity to talent to speak of. They have a big fan base in Nebraska, but not really a national following. Uh, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. However, you want to break it down. Well, they do have a national following between Grand Island and Kearney. Like they are huge there. <laughs> now, right. when you get beyond that, maybe not as huge. But I, so the whole Super League thing, it, like you said, it's stupid. Uh, we know it's never going to happen, all that. Um, but it is fun to, to like, argue about. And, um, I, I mean, there are some teams that aren't good now. But, like, yeah, Texas belongs in a Super League, right? I, I get that. They're not very good now, but I get it. Um, but Nebraska, I can actually probably make a better argument that Tennessee should be in a Super League. And, like, Tennessee's yeah. the fifth best team in the SEC East. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree because at least they've got that, yeah, more proximity to, you know, talent and a, a kind of voracious viewership area and, you know, not too far from Nashville, got some big cities in that state. Like, I mean, Nebraska doesn't have any cities as big as Nashville or Memphis or maybe even Knoxville. I'm not yeah. sure on that last one, but yeah, so, Omaha yeah. might be bigger than Knoxville, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's it probably is. But yeah. point remains, Nebraska, I, I actually saw a great, I don't know if I sent it to you, but uh, there's a great, uh, graphic on Twitter ranking Scott Frost's top 15 wins in Nebraska and uh -huh. it just left the last three spots empty because he only has 12. <laughs> so That's amazing. The, his third best win at Nebraska by the way is over Illinois. So Wow. All right. Well, yeah. The, that's I the mean, highest that Illinois has ever been ranked in anything football related since like 1997. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So the the only other, other than, like rankings of rankings of coaches with the best white beard, they'd be <laughs> maybe in the top three. Well, not anymore. <laughs> but he's gone now. So. Yeah, yeah R.I.P. Unless Brett Bielema grows one, then he'll just look like Santa Claus. He might. He might. I'd be in favor. So yeah. um, uh, your your father also put together a uh, a super league. I actually listened to the podcast that he does, and this one is more defensible, but. How do you feel about Texas A&M being involved? There? Yeah, well, I, I feel like I have to just start by saying that, like, you know, I've long, long, long since realized that it's not a good idea to try to, to you know, fight my Defend father's your battles dad. and argue on his Like, behalf. this is a it's legitimate a question. It's a it, losing it, battle. Right. I'm not nearly uh, as upset about A&M as Nebraska. Right. And also not nearly as upset about a lot of things he writes as most of the people who accost me about them. <laughs> Fair but, point. Uh, yes. Yeah. Like I, well, so my thing is this, and I, I, I listened to their podcast, but I, I don't, I didn't read his, his uh, thing about it. Sorry, dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the podcast, they left out Oklahoma, but included right. Texas A&M. That's, that's what more I have a quibble of, you know, if, you could you could make an argument for Texas A&M. You know, they they haven't won anything. They spent a lot of money. Speak of, but but they yeah, that's kind of part of the deal, right? I, yeah. I from what I understand, it's like the Super League in Europe is just the rich teams, um, and they are, they would be like that, you know, that high market team, like in you know in baseball with the big payroll or whatever. Like if we're making this like a pro Super League or whatever, and they they obviously are close to a lot of you know a big area in Houston and a, and a state that cares a lot in Texas and um, but. My thing is, you know, if you're if you're going to kind of double down on that Texas, Oklahoma, Southwest-ish area, not even Southwest, but, you know, that area of the country, Oklahoma has accomplished so much more and yes. probably has a bigger following, at least in my mind. Maybe it's just yes. you know, being in Missouri, but I've, I've definitely met more Oklahoma fans than I have Texas A&M fans. Yeah. So my, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to pick Texas A&M at the expense of Oklahoma. But sure. if you, you know, go to 15 or 16 teams, probably A&M is in there. Yeah, I could live with that. Uh, but 
they won a national title in 1938. And then, well, they won a national title in 1938. Maybe in 2038, though. Maybe they'll be back. It'll be the centennial, and and they'll win their second. But uh, anyway, Super League was was something fun to talk about. But, uh, hey, before we go to our next uh, pre-guided topic, uh, I want to mention a couple things. First of all, I want to mention that Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports is going to join us about 8 o'clock. We are going to talk actual Mizzou stuff, not just like, us playing grab ass for 30 minutes about the college football super league, but we're going to talk about uh, Mizzou in the NFL draft, uh, whether Nick Bolton's a first round pick, how many Missouri players get their names called all that. Why Mac Jones is suddenly the number three pick in the draft, all sorts of things with Eric, who uh, this is kind of his month to, uh, to know everything and, and tell you guys everything. The other thing we have to cover is that we've got our first request, I think on the five, seven, three report for a shout out to, someone's boyfriend drew norton so drew norton thanks for watching man um i i'm curious if maybe you're actually on someone else's account and have requested a shout out for yourself because if you're watching like you could comment and we will actually even put your comment on the screen so drew norton if you are out there say what's up say hi to your girlfriend whatever you want to do feel free we will uh we will give you a shout out here on the 573 report um this is the kind of thing that we do especially during the off season when we're really just trying to fill time until uh eric joins us at eight o'clock so here's the other thing that i wanted to talk about and this is this is completely random i pulled this out of out of thin air but College sports is kind of an emotional deal, right? That's the difference between college sports and pro sports is people are emotionally attached. And like, you know, there was talk on our message board about people being angry about a bowl game that Missouri lost in 2003 this week. So that's the kind of thing that college sport, I mean, it is 2021. It was 18 years ago, but people hold on to things. So just before I give any thoughts on this, I, I just I came up with this and I want to know what you think. Let's say that Bill Self decides getting paid five million dollars a year at Kansas and being allowed to walk around in money chains and have Snoop on campus and all that is not good enough. And he wants to leave Lawrence, Kansas, and he calls Jim Sterk and says, Jim, I want to be your basketball coach. Now I'm taking all the NCAA stuff out of it. Let's pretend he's okay. in no NCAA trouble. Okay. Could Jim Sterk actually say, yeah, we want to hire Bill Self? Uh, yes, I think so. So my, I was, my answer was going to be probably not because of the NCAA right. stuff. And I was going to say, if he's leaving Kansas, he knows something big is coming and it's, it's not going to be the trouble that it's worth. Um, yeah. But Missouri fans would not love it. They've spent a lot of time disliking Bill Self, right? but he's a great coach. I mean, one of the, I mean, you know, people, you know, there's, there's a legitimate gripe to point at to how he got some of his talent, but he's clearly a very, very good coach. And also you could kind of spin it, I think is sticking it to Kansas, you know, like I just yeah. had enough of it there. I wanted to come over to the good side of the rivalry. Like I think it could work as, you know, these types of things can get overlooked when you're talking about bringing in the type of winner as a coach that Missouri hasn't had since Tom Stewart. Yeah. Adam says he would take him. I, I, a lot of Missouri, because he's won so big, a lot of Missouri fans would take him. I mean, it's not like hiring, I you know, David Beatty. But, right. I, but the first reaction of a lot of people would be, hell no, I don't want that dude coaching here because he, he coached at KU. I mean, there were people that, like, Damani Cross went to school here, and there were people that were <laughs> mad Damani Cross coached here because he coached a year at Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Um, but I think that like, I, I just think that at a certain point, if you can get that good of a winner, like that's, we say it all the time, winning but, cures everything in college, but in college sports, like if, if you, uh, if you can win, people will look past a lot. Like I think an interesting, like comparison, like not even nearly as big of a rival, but, and could be a good coach, but hasn't won as big Brad Underwood. I don't think Mizzou fans are make that trade because he, you know, you don't know for sure what he can really do at this point. And, you know, they obviously, they, yes, they play every year. It's, it's sort of a rivalry, but I still, I, I think they would be, my point is, I think they would be more willing to accept Bill Self, even though he spent forever at Missouri's really? longtime rival or just, bigger rival than, than Brad Underwood, just because of the winning. 
Maybe. I don't know. I, I know I, there's a lot of people who wouldn't. I, I guarantee you there are a decent number of people who would give up season tickets if Missouri hired Bill Self, who is like the winningest coach in college basketball the last 20 years. Yeah, I could see it, but I, I think that you bank on winning enough games if you're Jim so, Sterk that you replace those people with yeah. other people who want to see an exciting basketball team. That's probably right. And I hadn't thought about it, but like you actually have some experience with this. I mean, Rick Pitino's <laughs> got to be the only dude that's coached on both sides of a rivalry like that, right? Oh, Louisville sure. and Kentucky? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I, Did Kentucky I fans care? All yeah, they cared. I don't remember all that well when he was hired. I want to say it was like 2005 or even before the 2003. So I would have been eight. Um, <laughs> like I, I remember, but I don't remember. I was not really in tune with the pulse of the fan bases at age eight. You know, I, I remember being like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. He coached to Kentucky. But yeah, they, it was absolutely something that, that it added to the rivalry. And, you know, it was something yeah. that would get brought up a lot. You know, when I was a kid watching those games and Kentucky fans would, would, would mention it. I remember years ago going to a game in Rupp Arena and you know they had a bunch of artwork on the walls and stuff and there was like a weird little uh you know like page of a, it was supposed to be like a dictionary of terms and it like um I forget what the exact one was but there was a few things you know about like you know BBN what's it mean but whatever and one was like something like traitor or patinoitis or something that's like when you're a traitor or something like that like it was literally painted on the wall in Rupp Arena by one of the concession stands maybe someone out there like will have a picture or something probably not someone watching this show but right, I, right. I don't remember the exact wording but like it was a thing so I, but that's the point it has to be like a rick patino or a bill self level winner i mean right. like missouri could never hire mark turgeon to be its basketball coach because like right he's not good enough to overcome the fact that he went to ku and right like let's he here's and this isn't a missouri kansas thing i mean Legitimately, Quinn Snyder is going to be the NBA coach of the year probably this year, right? Coach the all-star mm -hmm. team, may go to the finals, all that. Had he called the North Carolina athletic director and said, I want to leave the Utah Jazz to coach North Carolina, North Carolina would have said, no, nah, we're going to hire Hubert Davis. Yes. I mean. That, that is correct. That so, is yeah, I and and like – Maybe that's not smart, but I get it more in that sense. When you're Carolina, you can attract a really good candidate, or at least should be able to. Again, we talked about how Hubert Davis, uh, I mean, it, he may do great, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to be right. to sell for him when you have that type of job. Excuse me. But when you're Missouri and like, you know, I mean, it, you know, pretty much every time Missouri is hiring a new coach, it's a roll of the dice. You're either getting someone who's, you know, been decent at another power five stop and left it for whatever reason and hoping he can do better. Or those issues don't crop up or whatever, or taking a chance on a young up and comer and hoping that, you know, he can be again something he hasn't yet proven he can be bill self has proven it time and time again. I mean, like, yes, you know, you would say at a, you could say at a certain point, he, he should have probably won more than one national title, but when that's your criticism, of <laughs> right. coach, he's done a pretty good job. Well, Not that many out there have won a national title. And the whole point is, like where you went to school should not be a qualification or a disqualification for a job. I actually this could actually work the other way for Missouri fans now. They're so against hiring Missouri graduates, like they might be more likely to hire a KU guy than hire a guy who went to Mizzou because Kim Anderson, and Barry <laughs> yeah, Odom kind of done wrecked that for him. Uh, right. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's a good point. And I think yeah, just Brett Brett Roberts brings up, and as I mentioned, I think you could totally spin it as like you know, Bill Self could just throw out a line like, yeah, you know, I I, I was tired of the KU fans, or like you know, you could spin it as like him choosing this school over that school. Right. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. That's the kind of thing that was was going through my head this week uh, because like literally uh, the biggest thing that's happened is that the soccer coach retired. Uh, who, by the way, in his last game beat Kansas. Uh, you know, well, I know. There you go. Maybe he'll go coach at Kansas. <laughs> Maybe he will. We'll see. It's it's like when you were a high school teacher in Missouri, and then you could retire there and go teach at Kansas for five years, and then you could get double pension. Maybe that's what Brian Blitz is going to do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds good. I don't. I don't even know if Kansas played soccer. To be quite honest with you. Um, well, he just said he beat them, so they have. To. <laughs> Fair point. I mean, it could have been unless like unless they immediately unless they <laughs> lost to Mizzou and immediately folded the program, which could happen, I guess. It also could have been like the intramural team, like the you know the Beta House just played against Missouri's varsity. 
the club team or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we're, uh, we're going off the rails here a little bit, but I, I don't feel like we were really on the rails to begin with, um, to be quite honest with you. So, um, uh, yeah, we did have an actual legitimate question earlier about uh, basketball recruiting and any idea what big guys Mizzou is recruiting in the portal. And the truthful answer is, on my end, not really. Maybe you do, but if so, you no. have not shared that with me. Yeah, I, I would I would share it with uh, the board at a minimum. Uh, no, I really don't. I know that they're recruiting Langston Wilson, the junior college kid. Mm -hmm. Really interesting story. He uh, didn't play at all in high school because he doctors, uh, I guess, either suspected he had or found that he had a heart condition. But he got cleared and uh, has been playing at a junior college in Georgia for the past couple of years and uh, committed to Alabama. Basically, uh, he, he said that they – uh, mutually agreed to part ways. I think Alabama kind of filled up its spots. <laughs> Alabama was a little more mutual than he was maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting prospect. Mizzou's been in touch with him, has not offered that we know of, at least, you know, that he's tweeted and he has tweeted other offers. So I assume um, that they haven't offered yet. That's the only big that we know of as a target. I'm sure they've been in contact with some other guys. I mean, like there's still a few guys out there in the portal who like, it was said Mizzou had contacted like Bayred and Matos or whatever, but yeah. like I feel like we would have heard more on that front if Mizzou was was really uh, uh, pursuing. Same with that Oladapo kid who, you know, Mizzou contacted, but we haven't heard anything more about Mizzou, and we have heard more about other schools since right. then. So and he committed really, to the, Pittsburgh. The answer so. is, oh well, there you go. I missed that. Uh, <laughs> the, really, the answer is other than Langston Wilson, I I don't have any names for you right, right. now. I like that. Uh, I like that mutually agreed to part ways. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like all my breakups were always mutual. Unless it was my decision, right. then then it was yeah. not mutual. Then it was your decision, yeah. <laughs> right. They spent they spent months regretting it, and I was just like, nah, we're good. Um, <laughs> you know, Greg, Greg Marshall in Wichita State mutually agreed that he should not be allowed to keep hitting and screaming at players, <laughs> and, and so they mutually agreed to give him $7 million. Right. Yeah. I, I want to be clear. I don't think Greg Marshall is watching the five seven three report and suing us for <laughs> slander. But to my knowledge, Greg Marshall did not actually hit a player. He was just very mean to them. Yeah, I, I, there was definitely a lot that would have been close uh, to, to bordering on physical abuse in there. But I don't think he struck a player. Right. I don't know. So but I, I just I'm not going to rule it out. I, I just don't want to accuse right, you're not, you're people just trying not to get get sued for slander. Yeah, yeah, I just don't want to accuse people of crimes that they did not actually commit. Um I would uh I would prefer to focus on the crimes they actually did commit or are accused of committing. Um Alden Smith probably not playing in the NFL anymore. Yeah. <laughs> how'd you yeah, how'd you like that segue? Um, that was that was solid, I thought. That was nice. That was yeah. smooth. I, I think, unfortunately, he's probably out of strikes at this point. Uh, it was, it was, you know, kind of a cool story to see him come back last season and have a good season. But, I mean, I have no idea how many times he's been arrested now. But it's, uh, it's, it seems like we have to be at one too many by this point. Uh, you know, assuming that, right. you know, he doesn't get cleared from this latest deal once well, the whole story comes out. Because I feel like, like he kind of came back. Last year was kind of a no tolerance thing. Like, okay, you're back in the league. It's been three years. Jay Glazer vouched for you. That's a weird deal, by the way. I, I don't know when Jay yeah. Glazer turned into a trainer but and an advocate for Alden Smith, but good for him. Um, So, yeah, like, we'll let you in this time, but we probably don't do this again. And I don't know. I mean, I'll say this. At least he was masked up in his mugshot, you know. I mean, he's, he's a socially conscious citizen in at least one way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was actually in the well, I was in the New Orleans area for part of this past week and not when he was there exactly or Did not you go to when that he coffee was shop? alleged to have committed the, the crime. No, but I was I was saying it would have been kind of wild if I ran into him down there and, and then uh, no, maybe maybe got a quick interview with him or something if I saw him. Then, yeah. Bam. yeah. But, but like and, and I want to be like, we don't mean to make too much light of this because it's too bad. And there's obviously things going on there that are well beyond you know, um, normal kind of human poor decision making. Yeah. 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 It's, it's beyond just, he makes bad decisions. So it would be great if he was, you know, uh, was on the straight and narrow and was going to be an NFL player because 
Like, he's really good when he's on the field. But when you reach a point where you're that good and you can't be in the league anymore, like, that takes a lot of strikes, man. Like, it's a lot more than three, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I again, I don't know how many times he's been arrested, but I'm pretty confident it's more than three. And it is a bummer. And, um, you know, obviously wish it could have worked out for him. But at this point, hopefully, I mean, you just all you can keep saying is hopefully that this is kind of the, the wake up call that, right. you know, prevents him from. I mean, if the, if the worst thing that happens to him is he's done playing in the NFL, that's not that bad, considering some of the stuff he's he's been through and, and allegedly done so hopefully it's just kind of the wake-up call he finally needs yeah excellent point um uh, pocket watch what brings up a good question do you have a choice about wearing a mask when you're taking a mug shot i mean i i feel like they probably didn't just hand him a mask and tell him to hang it over his ear i feel like he had legitimately had that mask with him it seems, give him it seems reasonable because yeah, he had to take it off for the mugshot. So it would have, if he was strolling, strolling in there without a mask, he, they probably wouldn't give him give him give him one just as a side problem. Hundred <laughs> percent. I, I mean, I don't want to test it. I don't know, Mitch. Have you been arrested since this whole pandemic started? Uh, I have not. No. Okay. Should I go out and give it a shot? Just report back. I'd prefer not. I might have to actually write a story this week if that happens. But uh, so we have promised you other things besides our grab assery on this show. And we're going to get to those uh, in just a second because Eric Edholm is hanging out with us on the line. We'll bring him in in just a minute. But before we do that, we want to make sure that you guys know about 573tees.com. That is our local sponsor, uh, local being here in Columbia, Missouri. However, you can access them from anywhere in the world through the magic of this thing called the Internet. Go to 573tees.com. If you go through the link on our show page, you get 10% off your first purchase. They have all kinds of good stuff. Uh, still haven't seen where Ed Chang has landed, so they still have not produced the Ed Chang jersey for me. Um, we are... Okay, I see Eric in our, uh, in our one window. Now all I have to do is figure out the technology of adding him to this window um there he is hang on okay there's eric eric what's up man can you hear us hmm. no perhaps not oh wait no no audio I, he, he okay uh yeah eric i think you're muted if you can find the unmute button somewhere okay perhaps we're gonna we're gonna do this on that. the fly there you go there we go there we go all right yeah. so i mean i do a good mind guys yeah you know, but not, not that good right yeah i, I mean it, it at least did communicate to us that no you could indeed not hear what we were saying or or I, oh, we I could not hear, hear you I, you just couldn't hear me okay. i had the mute button there and uh yeah i was I was, it was my greatest little 20 minute segment ever, 20 second segment ever, but you know, it's all right. The, the shame of the whole thing is just when this pandemic ends, we're all going to learn how to use technology. So <laughs> not before then, but minutes, right? Exactly. So, uh, so Eric, for those who don't know, Eric at home, Yahoo sports, uh, draft expert. We're going to talk about all that, uh, shortly, but we have spent the first 30 minutes of the show talking about important things such as if, and you are a Mizzou grad, so you'll have an opinion on this. You don't cover Missouri, so That's you might right. you might right. watch the teams a little more emotionally than we do at this point. So if Bill <laughs> Self decided take the NCAA stuff out of it, if if he okay. was facing no violations, if Bill Self just decided tomorrow morning, you know what, I'm kind of done with this whole thing in Lawrence. I'm gonna call Jim right. Sterk and I want to be the basketball coach at Missouri. Can Jim Sterk hire Bill Self? Like take the lifetime contract, rip yeah, it up in Kansas. Just, yeah, doesn't matter. NCAA stuff doesn't miles. exist. He just wants right. to coach Missouri. Absolutely. Okay. Listen, I, okay. I I have no soul. Like I don't have you know much of <laughs> even knowing that other trouble could be down the line. Even if we 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 expunge his entire record. First of all, remind me if I'm not mistaken. Was he not kind of wanting this job when Quinn yeah. Snyder got it? Right. He interviewed for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was the word, and he was sort of the the, the least known of the three options, I guess. And and you know, I'm curious, kind of funny how that worked out, I guess. But yes, I, I like I said, I have no shame. I would okay. I would take Bill Self. And again, it's not it's not an anti Conzo Martin sentiment. It right, is. Right. I I know exactly what Bill Self is, and he he produces really good fo uh, basketball teams. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just how I roll. I'm, I, I really have much in the way of scruples. Okay. That was my answer as well, Eric. Okay, good. So, listen, I'm fitting right in. You should feel perfect, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if there's anywhere you want to fit in, it is on the Power Mizzou YouTube show. Yes. I, I know when you take a job at an entity like Yahoo Sports and you cover national stuff like the draft, you just say, I wonder when I can get an invite to that that show Gabe's doing on YouTube with Mitchell. That's right. what I want and, to be. And now, now that I've done it, it will go prominently on my resume, my QB, if you will, and and will be uh you know tapered all over, tape tapestried all over my wall, you know. Yeah, we want your tw- Twitter bio edited as soon as this show is over. <laughs> Infrequent visitor to the Power yeah. of the Zoo uh, podcast. That's yeah. Right. So all right, let's. So we won't waste your entire night just uh just rambling on like we've wasted our entire night so so let's get to it we're going to talk some general draft stuff but the people watching are are more interested in Missouri so I feel like there was a point where some people thought Nick Bolton was going to go late in the first round and I feel like that point's gone I I don't see him much in the first round is that an accurate read of things I think the the sense that I've gotten talking to people about Nick and a couple of conversations I've had in the last, you know, really since the pro day, I would say is that there's a high appreciation for him as a player. You know, they, they love the kid. They've heard great things from the staff. They watch the tape. They're excited by it. But at this day and age, you know, even with his coverage ability and, and you know, his closing speed, his instincts, they're all top notch. You know, the, the physical freaks, the guys who are a little bit bigger, a little taller, a little longer, a little faster, uh, even with a good 40 on his pro day. I mean, I, I still think those guys are going to get a little bit more buzz. That's why you see Zayvon Collins from Tulsa uh, above him on most lists for good reason. He's going to get drafted ahead of Nick. So I agree. I would guess if I had to put a sort of a range on it somewhere in the 40 to 60 overall, you know, so squarely in that second round picture but it also would stun me to see him trickle into the you know the first handful of picks around three so i'm kind of sticking with obviously nick bolton and, and that's kind of the same reason missouri got him is is you know he was very productive in high school but yeah. just didn't have the size uh didn't have the length to to kind of end up at a, at a higher rate of school i guess just you know what what is kind of the 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 scouting report on him taking out you know the you know the kind of the the interview stuff which i i know we don't know the details of that but what what is kind of your sense of just kind of the the scouting report on him at this point yeah i mean he plays fast i know he he ran a a very respectable 40 time but i don't know that he's got what you would call elite speed for the position um you know the coverage ability is, is certainly very attractive we saw him make a lot of plays especially in 2019 obviously but um you know he's not an exceptional blitzer, I don't think. I mean, it's not anything he's bad at or anything, but I think taking on, you know, being able to stack and shed against 320-pound guards is a concern. So if you put him on a scheme where he's covered up nicely, they have big defensive tackles, he's given free lanes to, 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 to attack the rush, you know, to make plays out in the flat on quick swing passes, that's his game to me. You know, he showed it against Alabama. It was obviously a massive team with an incredible skill level. It's the closest thing to an NFL team. So I feel good about his ability to transition to the NFL. There are just some people who get hung up on the fact that he's under six foot, you know, even if it's by what, you know, less than an inch, essentially. So uh, the fact that, you know, even while well, while well built, you know, still may not be have the, the true power to kind of overwhelm, you know, blockers in space. So it's a little nitpicky. I think I had him as my number 41 overall player, but uh, he's, you know, he's a tough kid. He's durable. You know, he's got that sort of fiery lead, leader by example. You know, it just, I love him. I like him as a player, and I think he's going to play in this league for a while. Well, I don't know how you talk about Nick Bolton for two minutes and we don't even address if he's competitive enough to win rock, paper, scissors against uh, right. the Eagles general manager, but, you know. I, yeah. Did you guys see that? I that did was, see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is like the lead up to the NFL draft is the stupid. It's when otherwise intelligent people get incredibly stupid and talk about things that about don't that? matter. I mean, like Joe Burrow a year ago, maybe couldn't throw a football because his hand was too little, even though he just thrown <laughs> for 6,000 yards, you know? Right. So this is what we it's do. It's so true. I, I remember a, a punter, Michael Dixon, is with the Seahawks. Oh, yeah, he was the I, MVP of the Texas Bowl in his last college game. I was. Oh, like, well, you guys remember him yeah. well, of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, the Australian punter who destroyed Missouri in the bowl yeah. game. Yeah, he said that the Seahawks, the team that ended up drafting him, asked him if he wanted to conduct a staring contest. So that was 
Like we, we miss we miss the combine this year, and that's what we were robbed of with, with yeah. these types of. You know, when you you stare into a man's soul and really kind of find out exactly how good a football player they are by a staring contest. He said he won, by the way. I think he had he had Apparently. like 15 or 18 seconds without blinking, so he can wow. punt and he can hold off blinking for long periods of time. That might have been uh, that might have been the key. He might have just stared at the ball and forced it to stop at the six inch line line every time he punted it because he was the most amazing punter I've ever seen in my life. That that game will never yeah. leave never my brain. Something else, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it clearly it kind of worked because the Seahawks were the team that drafted him, and he's pretty good. So maybe maybe they need to keep doing staring contests. If you turn down rock paper scissors staring contests, you just get a race from the draft board, and it's it's curtains. Some other teams gonna have to deal with your your you know your your stubbornness. The uh, and and hey, I want to invite you guys watching. If you if you've got questions, we're going to talk about all Mizzou's guys. But if you if you've got draft questions or whatever, hit them hit them up in the chat. We'll try to get them to Eric. But um, so the other guy, the guy that I think is maybe Missouri's second guy off the board, and it kind of surprised me that he left early. But Larry Borum, I mean, is this a guy that that you think gets his name called? Yeah, I I don't know that he's second. It's hard to say. I mean, the the feeling I've gotten is maybe middle of day three on him or something like that but he's obviously got the, the the mass he's started at three different positions on the offensive line i think he's probably a right guard or a right tackle but you know good positional flexibility i would say um you know not amazing length for his height i mean if i remember correctly his arms were a little bit on the short side teams care about this stuff uh lateral movement not great pretty good athlete overall not not special in any way, but just a massive dude. The teams that really seek that that size and that power at that at that position, you know, I he's a strong kid, and, and you know, even the Chiefs I would throw out there as a possibility given their you know their offensive line situation. But yeah, I mean, he he was a mauler in the run game, I thought, especially, and and that was where I you know envisioned him having the most success in the NFL. But you know they. You work in an offense like the one Drink ran last year. You showed you could you could still play at a high level. I think that's you know a lot of quick stuff, a lot of tempo. I mean that's that, that probably did well for him in the, in the long run. So yeah, I would guess round five, six, seven, somewhere in that range. Before Mitch's next question, I do want to say if the Chiefs take Larry Borum like at number thirty-one overall, we're never doing this show again. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm never going to talk about football. Out just a little longer than that on him, but yeah, yeah I could, I could see I, it. I wish Larry all the best, I, but I think they're going to trade up to take him. That's <laughs> yes. what I heard from my sources. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, Gabe obviously mentioning uh, Larry Borum as the second player off the board. If the Chiefs for Mizzou, if the Chiefs don't trade up and take him first uh, among Mizzou players. Another guy who's in that conversation is potential second Mizzou guy off the boards, obviously Tyree Gillespie had a really good pro day. Um, I, I'm curious before trying to kind of getting into to what you see out of him as a prospect, how much stock or lack of stock do teams put in forties from pro days when you don't have a combine and, and like all these other uh, results from, from pro days when you don't have a combine. It's tough, right? I mean, everything's been, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I've heard from NFL people is the medical information. Uh, they, they've found ways to, to make the Zoom interviews work, and it's not perfect. You'd rather, you know, if you're going to play rock, paper, scissors, better be in person, I think. But no, but seriously, I think some of these guys do like to sort of pull the chair up close, like the, you know, the good cop, bad cop routine and do all that stuff. But the medical information is the biggest thing. The, the, the next on that list might be the accuracy of the, you know, the pro day tests. And the thing about India is, you know, these athletes go there, they check in, they have all these forms they have to fill out. They get shuttled. You know, it's like waiting for basic training, you know, hurry up and wait and stand over there and do that. They have meetings all night, all day. And then after three days of that nonsense, getting poked and prodded with the medical staff, then they have to run in Indianapolis. You know, Tyree Gillespie and the rest of the Mizzou guys woke up out of their bed, ate whatever they wanted for breakfast, got over, got a big stretch in. They were on their own time, right? And then they could run their 40-yard dash. So when people say, oh, it's a friendly clock, these are all NFL scouts from different teams. They're not fudging times. But it's the conditions around which they're working out that are very friendly. So it's a great question. I, I think everybody is is maybe adding anywhere from – three tenths or three hundredths of a second, excuse me, 
up to a full tenth of a second. I, I don't know if that's going to happen across the board, but the 40 times have felt a little inflated. And, you know, I mean, what, what did Gillespie run? Like a 4-4 four, four something, four, right? 4-3-8, something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. 4-3-8, four, 4-4, four, four, right. I mean, that that wasn't what I expected. And you could, you could apply that to a number of guys in this draft where you went, he's that fast. Okay. I guess I got to go back and watch the tape. And usually what happens is everybody goes back to the number that – like scouts predict how fast the guy is. Like they look at him and they say he's a four or five guy. And that sometimes is what they end up going off of as opposed to the, the pro day time. So I know it's a little weird, but that's sort of what I've been led to believe is how the process is going. I mean, do you, is Gillespie a guy definitely gets picked, probably gets picked. What do you think? Yeah, I think he gets picked. Um, I know the season didn't end the way that, that either the coaches or he probably wanted. He seemed like he tailed off towards the end of the year. Um, you know, the, the lack of interceptions in his career is certainly going to be, or just plays on the ball is going to be something that comes up. Um, I thought he looked great early against Alabama that particular game. Made a couple big plays, kind of tone-setting plays. Did seem to maybe blow a coverage uh, on one of those early touchdowns. But still, you know, pretty good size, around six foot. Over 200 pounds, runs a 4-4, the pro day workout, passed the test, has some range. I think he ends up being about a fifth-round pick. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up going before, you know, after Bolton, before Larry Borum. So that that's my ballpark guess is that he'll be about a top 150 pick somewhere in that range. You know who else I thought made some tone-setting plays in that Missouri-Alabama game was Jalen Waddell. I, I well, can't I impressed with that him. one. Yes. I think, yeah, if there's a tape to show for the Jalen Waddle experience, that's, that would be a pretty good one. I think. Yeah. It's mostly probably mostly from that game. Um, yeah. So obviously just kind of going down the list of, of Mizzou guys, you know, I think we've covered the three who most people would say they expect to get picked. Um, and then there's a couple other guys who are kind of on the fringe and Larry Roundtree, maybe Joshua Bledsoe. Um, what do you what do you I guess put the chances at that one of those guys hears their name called? Yeah, I think there's maybe 50-50 for each of them. I believe it or not, I, I this running back class kind of drops off a little bit after a certain point. Really, for me, after like the top four or five guys, you know, okay. I, and so there aren't a whole lot of guys who do exactly what he does. I know he's not fast, but obviously the ability to kind of pinball off tackles and be that tough first and second down runner certainly, you know, adds some appeal to him. Is he going to catch a lot of passes? He can be great in pass protection. That's probably not where he wins, but um, you know, there's nothing really special about him except for his effort. I think, you know, he seems like he's, he's added muscle to his frame over the years. From what I recall as a freshman, you see him rumbling through the tackles. He looked pretty lean. And then by the, by his senior year, it felt like he'd added some body armor and, you know, now he's in that 215 range or whatever he is. So, you know, I know he may have slimmed down for the pro day, but I, I kind of like the fact that he's that he's a hard charger. But I suspect he'll always be that sort of third running back on an NFL team. That to me says, you know, sixth round probably. He reminds me a little of Eno Benjamin from Arizona State last year, and I think Benjamin was actually a late seventh round pick. So. You never know at that stage of the draft. I just don't think the running back class is all that deep. So he's got a shot. And then uh, Bledsoe, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe a little more of a reliable player in some respects than Gillespie was, but um, a little less flashy, a little less impressive physically speaking. And he's got a shot late. Otherwise, he'll be a priority for agent. But he's a pretty good little college player, I think, and who, you know, will, will be on a camp's roster at some point this summer. See, I like having you on because I know you actually know who these guys are because you're a Mizzou guy. But like some draft right. analysts, I would want to bring them on and be like, so what do you think about John Franklin from Missouri? He's, he got a <laughs> shot. And just see if they'd be like, yeah, twi- fast twitch, good hips, really good, like him, yeah, probably a six-round guy. Right. A little stiff in the hips, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, but, special teams versatility. Right, right. yeah. That, right. That, that is always a fun thing. They, I went on a show a couple of years ago where they said – we're going to ask you about some of the, you know, UNC prospects. Great. And they pulled somebody out that I had never heard of. And I felt pretty prepared coming right. in. I mean, I had to just say, I said, look, when you, when you look at scouting as a ge- in general, right. And I went into this like 30 second <laughs> spiel about scouting and they looked at me like, okay, buddy. Yeah. Great. Thanks for that non-answer. Right it's now. like when the guy walks up to you on the street and says hi, and you're like, What's up, man? Hey, hey, dude. <laughs> Good to see right, you. Yeah. yeah. Same, yeah. Same, same. So. Gotta, gotta 
acts like you know exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a couple national, just kind of big, big picture things that I want to get into, and we'll let you run. But uh, this kind of leads it. One of the viewers kind of leads into the question I was going to ask. He's asking about how Trey Lance will be as a pro. So here's what I want to know: When in the yeah. draft did we hit the point where it is a rule if you have a top ten pick, you're taking a quarterback? Like, I, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about like six of the top ten all of a sudden, and and I don't quite understand it. Yeah, we've never had five go with the top ten. It, it's entirely possible that happens. I don't think we're going to get four in a row to start the draft. I keep sort of getting the feeling that Atlanta might stick with Kyle Pitts or somebody like that. So that said, you know, you still could have quarterbacks go – one, two, three, possibly to the Broncos at nine, and then maybe somewhere in between. If not, it's shortly thereafter. But you're right. This is an unusual deal. To me, I think it does speak to the intrigue of the talent, and it includes guys like Lance who, you know, had 350 dropbacks in their career. Like, you know, that's, that's about a season, maybe less, right, for most guys. So he's an unprecedented evaluation. I think 17 games at the FCS level, you know, Carson Wentz had like 28 or nine, I think that's gone. Um, well. Yeah. Right. And then like, you know, Easton sticks a backup in, in LA and, and, and Wentz is on his second team and, and nobody thinks he's, you know, a miracle worker. So that works against Lance. The fact that he didn't play all but one game last year, that works against him. But boy, is he impressive physically, and boy, is he impressive mentally. So I, I like the kid. I just would I bet large sums of money that he's going to be great. No, I'll just give him a good grade and hope it works out. He's, he, he's either going to be tremendous or he's going to get stuck in a bad situation and not play for three years. I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting to find out. Yeah, and obviously that is a big piece to it for a lot of players, but especially the quarterback, where they go. Um, I, I'm yeah. curious, I just thought of this question a moment ago when you were talking about being asked about guys you've never heard of. Like, you covered the draft and prepare for the draft much more than, than the layperson, and I always talk about, you know, how people always overestimate the number of Missouri players who are going to get drafted because yeah. they don't realize how many just random prospects there are out there. Sure. How often does it happen that someone actually gets picked in the draft that you have basically no idea who they are? I would say, so I've, I've been in this role now. Uh, this will be my third draft back with Yahoo. I was with them before and I did draft stuff, but now, you know, as my focus where I'm looking at guys in August or whatever. Um, I think there were about 12 guys last year who got picked. Um, and I'm trying to remember, there was actually like a, a, a late fifth rounder that I had never watched. Um, you know, I'd seen him on lists and things like that, but, you know, I'd probably seen his pro day numbers, but didn't know anything about him. Um, and then another, you know, 10 or 11 guys after that. So I try to at least watch some of these guys and just say, all right, I want to say that I've seen him right. Um, or maybe I've watched him while watching another prospect and I can at least sort of fudge it for a little bit, but I don't know how you, you get the time to, because <laughs> I'm asked to do other stuff too, but I don't know how any right. one person can say they've watched really like 500 prospects, because if you yeah. were to combine the draft boards of all 32 teams, you probably have over 500 names. I just don't know how it's possible. I really don't. And all those teams have like 27 guys making hourly wages, breaking down this film that you're right. just supposed to do that for Yahoo. You just, you yeah. Just and, and like a scouting director, you yeah. know, I, I know there are guys who haven't watched every single player. Mm -hmm. They leave it to the area scouts and the position coaches to kind of make some of the later picks because, you know, the, they know them intimately. They know the position group or they know the school and it's smart delegation because if you don't know them, don't pick them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I think that oh, 12 is a good uh, – that's impressive. I, I will easily be at 12 players I've never heard of by the end of the second round. Yeah. No question. <laughs> no question. Uh, I Yeah, you just got to make a list and just fire through them. That's the best advice I have if you ever become a draft analyst. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned quarterback in Denver. I, like, do you get the sense that's where that's going? And are we, is that, hey, we got to have something because we don't know if Drew Locke is the guy or is that we're done with Drew Locke being the guy? Yeah, that's a great question, Gabe. I, you know, it's a new GM there. Um, you know, it's John Elway has kind of stepped back a little bit in the decision-making role. Vic Fangio, I think, is probably on the hot seat for this season. I think they want options. That's the best way I can read it. And, and you know, 
George Payton came from the Vikings. They didn't really draft a lot of quarterbacks high. He was there for a number of years. It's been a while. When they did, it was Christian Ponder and stuff, so they didn't have a lot of success doing it. It's hard to say exactly what I think they'll do you know, in round one or do they draft somebody early in round two. But I think Drew's going to get somebody who will will be promised the chance to push for his job. That's the best way I could probably say it. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. sense. I, as, a, as a Broncos fan, I would say, uh, like, I, I, I'm not totally on board with the idea of drafting a quarterback in the top 10, but I think it's almost a guarantee that, yes, they will bring in someone either in, like, the second or third round or in free agency who at least has the chance to push Drew Locke. So that, and, yeah, and if, guess as well. if you have a high grade on Justin Fields and he happens mm-hmm. to be there at nine and, mm-hmm. you know, you're confident that your team is going to be able to compete or something like that, like, how do you pass them up? You know, there's there's True. not a yeah. lot of great defensive talent in this draft. You know, unless you have another position player who's just screaming, draft me because he's the highest guy on your board. That quarterback position is always so. It, but again, we don't really know what they feel about Drew. It's been a little bit of a mixed message so far. Mm-hmm. Well, I had one, one more Mizzou-centric question for you that I wanted to circle back to, and it's re- relating to Larry Roundtree, who said you'd you actually give a shot to get picked. I'm curious, you know, obviously super productive in college, but is that a knock on running backs at times that, that uh, to, for a guy to have as much care, as many carries as he had uh, in, in his Missouri career, you know, basically four years of being a feature back? Right, 200 carries a year or 200 touches a year or whatever, right. I mean, he's going to come into the NFL with, you know – the thousand carry mark used to be sort of the benchmark back in the day. Like if you had that many touches in college, you were damaged goods. It's been dropped a little bit, I think, and over the years because guys come out early, they transfer schools, whatever happens, you know, some backs are used more as receivers. That's not really his thing, obviously. So yeah, there's there's less tread on his tires, right? I mean, he's he's a physical runner. He's not somebody who's squirting around uh, tacklers. He's the guy who's taking them head on in some cases. So. Yeah, I think that comes as, as a little bit of a negative against them. The lack of, you know, pass receiving ability that he's shown, or at least they didn't really, two different coaching staffs didn't feel the need to feature it very much. Yeah, that, that's those are two sort of knocks against him. Not an elite athlete, not super creative, but gives you everything you have. You can run through contact. You know, I, I think he's got the work ethic to be a special teams player if you need him to be. So, but yeah, the, 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 it works both ways, right? You want a guy who hasn't run that much, but you want to see enough on tape. Right. So I, I always, I don't give it a whole lot of credence, but yeah, I would say it, it, it hurts him for a little bit. All right. Last thing for you, Eric, I would just want to give you a chance. Um, and, and everybody who watches this show or subscribes to our site knows what I thought of, of Therese Paler and the work he did. And you guys, uh, you know, you, you actually were, were the person that, that informed me of, of what happened uh, it, when he died a couple months ago. And yeah. you and Pete Thamel and Charles Robinson got together and continued his tradition. So, I, I mean, for anybody who didn't know Therese, he basically did that for fun every year on top of being an <laughs> NFL writer. But just, you know, just to, kind of for, for you guys who, who knew him, obviously, even in better than, than we did, you know, what kind of a, I guess, labor of love was that doing that? Yeah, I mean, and as if I needed another reason to have even more, you know, immense respect for the man, right? Like taking on this project, and like you said, I mean, I do this almost year-round, right? Right. Uh, And trying to come up with the right – there was pressure. I felt like I wanted to make sure I got Therese's guy. So, um, you know, we just missed the guy so much, and we talked about what kind of players we wanted. We wanted guys with effort, attitude, performance. Those were the pillars of his all-juice team. People in Kansas City ate it up. People at Yahoo Sports ate it up. So, you know, we worked hard on making sure we had the right 22 there. Uh, I think he'd be proud of us. And, and uh, he's it, a tremendous loss. And we just wanted to, you know, keep his, his memory going as best we can. And what better way to do that when the all-juice team? And so if, you, if you're listening out there, please support uh, the great uh, uh, foundation for at Howard University for him. I know you guys have, a, a you know, the, the charity named after him as well. It, it shows how much respect there is out there for Therese. And uh, yeah, we, we, we love him. All right. Well, you got another week to make sure you get everything right. Uh, redo that mock, get Larry Borum, number nine, Denver Broncos. <laughs> right. um, and, and we're good. So Eric, thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. I'll do it. it. Yes. All right, boys. Have a great night. All right. See ya. Have thanks, a good Eric. one. We'll talk to you later on.
uh, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports uh, joining us, and he does the draft year-round. Appreciate him certainly joining us, taking some time. He, he does stuff like this all over, and I know he gets hit up by all the Mizzou guys because he is a Mizzou guy. So uh, appreciate him taking the time. And uh, I, I don't know, I guess I, I'm a little surprised, Mitch, that it seems pretty much certain that, like, Drew Locke's on borrowed time, huh? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's certain if they take a quarterback in the first round, then it's fairly certain, um, I think. But I, I still think there's a decent chance that, you know, it's something along the lines of like they, they sign, uh, you know, a veteran on a one year type of deal or, you know, draft a guy in the second or third round. to just at least at least have an option there. In addition to Drew Locke, I I'm my guess is still that and maybe this is wishful thinking that they, you know, address another need with a top 10 pick that. Because you know, that's there what certainly still needs there. I mean, and like, then, look, I've seen that team. Yeah. They are not a quarterback away from unseating the Chiefs or maybe even the Chargers in that division. Like, they need right. And and you know, yes, there. You know, a quarterback could be it would be to be probably the thing that gets them closest. But you're probably not getting that guy at number nine. Right. I mean, if you are, you're getting pretty lucky. It's possible, but. You know, I just, I don't know. I think the, the odds aren't good enough. I think there's enough other needs. If you're drafting a quarterback just as, you know, a, a potential option, like, you know, like Eric was saying, like, oh, yeah, maybe Justin Fields can be that guy. Like, if you've got a maybe, take throw a dart in the second or third round, in my opinion, because right. there are enough other needs there. But we will see. I, I personally, I, I'm thinking they will they will draft another position there at number nine or trade down um and and bring in another quarterback to compete with drew and he will at least have the chance to you know defend his position for a few weeks um beyond that i'm not sure yeah but definitely a a make or break year for him um yeah i don't know i think we so let's set the over under at mizzou guys drafted 3.5 you go over or under i think i'm going under um, I, 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 Eric almost convinced me with Roundtree, but I, I don't know. Every year it's fewer guys than I expect, as, as I already explained the reason why earlier. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't see, you know, running backs are so in, sorry, so much less valuable than they used to be. He's a guy who, like we said, has, has a lot of, uh, a lot of wear and tear. Um, you know, I think a lot of teams think they could probably get him as a free agent or someone like him as a free agent. So I am going to say it's, uh, Bolton, Borum and Gillespie. And that is it. Yeah, I, I think that's probably – I was going to set it at 2.5, but I think it's almost certainly three. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, we've covered that. Um, next week, you know, we'll, we'll break down uh, the the schemes of Missouri's new soccer coach and, uh, and <laughs> see how Jim Sterk was uh, – evaluate his process of finding a new soccer coach. And, I don't know, we'll do some other things. Maybe something will even happen between now and next Wednesday. But uh, – yeah. You know, we'll so see. you are actually talking to Jim Sterk in person, correct? I am talking to Jim Sterk That's on Friday. Exciting. That has That's not something. been. I'm waiting for the sorry he's on the road interviewing soccer coaches in Huntsville, Alabama. We're gonna have to reschedule email, but hasn't it happened. Definitely could happen. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm talking to Jim Sterk on Friday morning, and we'll have all the answers, and we'll talk about all that next week but uh once again uh thanks to eric at home appreciate it you can see all his stuff at, at yahoo uh you know just go to the nfl page the all juice team plenty of mock drafts all kinds of i think he's done three of them uh all kinds of stuff over there so appreciate him taking the time to talk with us appreciate you guys watching those of you who will listen or watch on the replay and appreciate 573 t's for uh making this possible make sure to check them out at 573 tees.com Efforting the Ed Shang jersey. We'll let you know when it happens. Maybe next Wednesday. Talk to you later.